Hello and welcome to Normal Change. My name is Sean. I am not an expert, a guru, or a thought leader. I am, on the other hand, a husband, a father, and a pastor in that order. I am using this podcast to document my life's journey to change how I think, I speak, and I act until I'm more like Jesus in my normal everyday life. Thank you for taking this journey with me. This is episode eight, and this is a very special episode. I'm speaking with my friend and author, Samantha Stewart, and Samantha has a beautiful journey of um, of both joy and pain. She's talking about um, experiencing uh, the grief of losing her husband, and you'll hear these moments of Jesus. I still trust you. Yes, I still believe in there. So it's it's these these hints of hope, and you still feel the the emotion of the moment. I'm so grateful uh, that she said yes to share this with me. Uh, throughout my my conversations with uh, with Sam, I call her Sam. So you'll hear me reference her as Sam in the in the interview. Um, over over the the time that we've known one another, she's really helped me have a better understanding of grief and how to how to uh, work with people and and be with them and walk with them through seasons of grief. So. I pray that you hear that in this episode. I pray that you see Jesus shining through in in his goodness, his strength and glory in and through Sam in this episode. And hopefully uh, this is a help for either you or somebody else. I'm going to pop you into our conversation as we're as we're talking. It's a longer episode, so I'm going to give you a heads up, but it's really good. So stick in there with us. All right. Thank you. ninth grade and he was in 10th grade okay but we did not start dating until he graduated and I was getting ready to be a senior okay was this by choice or by parents choice or well <laughs> see hopefully they're not listening but, exactly. you know. <laughs> I don't want you to get yourself in trouble um yes so there when he started at the school mm-hmm. in 10th grade um, one of the girls in my class who he had been friends with because they went to his parents' church. Okay. Um, she had wanted to introduce him to a girl in my class. Okay. And this girl had short blonde hair. I also happened to have short blonde hair. So he walks into the classroom where I'm sitting. I'm the first girl with short blonde hair. So mm-hmm. he introduces himself to me. Yes. Like right away. And I'm just looking at him like, why is this boy talking to me? Yes. Because I don't even know who he is. And my friend, who's in my class, comes up behind him and says, no, 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 not her. And walks him away. <laughs> was that awkward? I was just like, oh, phew. Oh, okay, you good. Know? Yeah, what a relief because I don't like, know what to do with this. Yes. What is even happening right yeah, now? Yeah, yeah. Um, because the core of our, like my class, and especially most of the classes, because it was attached to the church, we had been going to school together, you know, from like third grade. So... Mm-hmm. All the guys, like I played sports growing up. I was mm-hmm. not a girly girl. I yes. frequently say I'm like the sporty spice. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. Sporty spice. So <laughs> I could beat most of the boys in, you know, knockout or 21 or whatever on the basketball it. court. And yes. so they didn't really see me as 
the dateable girl. I'm like the little sister who's I get better it. than them. So when a boy's talking to me, I'm I hear like, the flex. <laughs> Just the little, the little sister who's like Michael Jordan. Yes. You know, I yes. can say that now. I get it. Um, anyway, so he ended up liking this other girl mm -hmm. for a few years, and or two years, and then she broke it off with him. Okay. They were dating but not dating because okay. he wasn't really allowed to date until I get he graduated. It. I get it. Secretly Christian yeah. dating. Yeah. So... Um, it was at that point that we had chemistry class together, mm. my, my junior year, his senior year, and he would frequently miss class because it was one of the first hours of the day and he would sleep in or his mom would let him miss all okay. the time. Okay. So he would ask me for notes and he would call for homework. And one day my mom's like, do you think he likes you? And mm -hmm. I was like, no, his mom just lets him sleep in uh -huh. and he misses class. And then, so we always say we had chemistry. So you had chemistry in chemistry. Yeah. I get it. <laughs> I like it. So then the end of the year, he actually did say like, Hey, I really like you. I want to go out, but I can't date until I graduate which was like at the end of the week. Mm -hmm. And so then we... <laughs> Which was like at the end of the week. It was. <laughs> that, how, let's note everyone how honorable that was. Like yeah. I can't, I've liked you for a long time, but we right. can't date until the end of the week. Right. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. It's a short period of time, but my integrity is going to stand until then. I love it. So then we started dating that summer yeah. and the rest was history. We hit it off and yeah. dated for four years before we got married in 1997. So dated for four years, mm -hmm. married for how long? Uh, just shy of 24 years. So married for 20, so 28 years mm -hmm. total? Yeah, but I knew him for a total of 30 years. Okay. And um, then the, the pandemic hit mm -hmm. of what, what year? So that started in 2020 mm -hmm. and our daughter was a senior that year. So mm -hmm. there was a lot of change and craziness going on in there. And my mom moved to Colorado mm -hmm. uh, to go to Bible school. And so we were kind of like, hey, we're getting close to being empty nesters. And so 2021, even with, you know, still some of those pandemic regulations going on, um, we did a lot of, you know, car dates and things like that because we didn't want to wear a mask in places and doing yes. things because that's not fun. And so we just really started planning our future as almost empty nesters because mm -hmm. our daughter was getting ready to launch and we thought she's going to go off to college and we're going to be these relatively young because we were, I was 44 and he was 45. Uh -huh. and I was like, hey, we're like, we're not going to be the blue hairs at Cracker Barrel, like, yes. you know. And so we had big plans of travels and all sorts of stuff. Mm-hmm. It always, whenever uh, hearing you talk about um, your husband, it always seemed like you were friends. Yes. And that's not a given. No. Yeah. So that goes back to chemistry class. Chemistry class? <laughs> yeah. It's so, so many high schoolers yeah. are probably going to be like, I got to get a chemistry class now. <laughs> this is where it happens. No, just get a friend. Yeah, yeah. Um, just get a friend. But we were... You know, opposites in a lot of ways, mm -hmm. but similar in a lot of ways as well. He was not, while he did like sports, he never played sports. Okay. So he played guitar 
and he was an artist. He loved drawing, and I could hardly draw a circle. Okay. Um, but I played sports, and I enjoyed being at school. He hated being at school because he was an introvert, and he was oh. like, this is terrible. This gotcha. is terrible. Yes. Other than meeting me, of course. Chemistry class. Yeah. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> yeah. So, and then w when did things take a turn? So, in May of 2021, we traveled to Colorado and went to my mom's uh, graduation from Bible school. Yes. And right before we left, he had started not feeling that great. Okay. And then we traveled and I it probably wasn't great that he traveled because we were where she was living was high elevation. And mm -hmm. so we would go into like a 6,000 level elevation and he was fine. But her, um, the city where she was living was about 10,000 feet. And so he would have trouble breathing. Oh. And so we had like the oxygen little buddies that you can get when you're going to Colorado. They're yeah. helpful. Yeah. It's like a, a bottle yeah, of like oxygen. Yeah, like aerosol. It looks like... Hairspray. Yeah, I've, I've seen it when we went to Colorado. I saw it, and then I remember seeing it on Shark Tank. It okay. seems a little wrong, like you're huffing actual oxygen, but yes. it's helpful. Okay, okay. So we um, we make it through that weekend. We celebrate my mom. We have some great family time, and then he starts not feeling good like the day before we're supposed to leave. Now, mm -hmm. we flew. It's yes. still pandemic, so we have to wear masks. Mm -hmm. And I just, because he was coughing a lot, and I said, listen carefully. <laughs> Like, we cannot get kicked off the flight. So I'm going to give you this bottle of cough syrup and you down it and we get home and yes. you'll be fine. So we get home. He's still not feeling great. He goes back to work. I go back to work because it's almost the end of school. Yes. And we're almost summer break. And we have this like two days left, I think. And um, we get to the last day of school. And I come home and he's like, I'm not feeling good. I think I need to go to urgent care and get checked out. Okay. I was like, Okay. So he goes, of course, he tests positive. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, great, here we go. Mm -hmm. So how, how did you, so he tests positive for COVID. Mm -hmm. How did you feel in that moment? Well, I had already had it once before. Yes. And I actually think that he had it as well, but never tested positive for it. He had okay. a, false, a false negative. Okay. Um, and he had, because he had all the same symptoms I did, and he had this lingering cough. Mm -hmm. that we had been dealing with even before he actually tested positive. Mm -hmm. But no doctor had ever done an x-ray or anything. They just said, oh, it's probably leftover from COVID. If it's still bothering you by July, then we'll do some, you know, x-rays yes. and stuff like that. Yeah. So were you were you worried at that time? Was anyone worried? Uh, no, but they did do a chest x-ray because I made a big enough deal about him having this cough. Yes. That they did a chest x-ray to make sure there was no pneumonia or bronchitis or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, once they did the x-ray, that's when they said um, that they saw something on the x-ray and that they were sending us to St. Francis, Maine for a CT with contrast. Okay. And I thought, what did they see? They thought it may have been a blood clot because okay. that was common with COVID. And um, so he ended up spending two days in the hospital um, because it took forever for them to do the CT with contrast and get it read. Mm -hmm. And then they had specialists come by. Turns out it was a mass in his chest. Okay. 
Um, so they had oncology talk to him and some other people talk to him as well. But they didn't do any biopsies or anything like that. They just said next steps would be once you're past COVID, then we will start doing all the biopsies and everything. Okay. So at this point... Are you are you thinking like okay what's going on are you are you starting to get nervous anxious anything like this Yes Okay, okay. Uh, my dad had actually passed away from lung cancer Oh um, well now it, it would back then it was about 14 years ago now it's been almost 16 years So I have all of that replaying through my head like okay I know what's next I know this is coming I know this is coming this is going to be a battle Yes um, and so I just, I really, my daughter and I ended up testing positive for COVID as well because we had traveled with him. We had Mm -hmm. been around him. So we were on quarantine. So I actually spent a lot of time just in the word, in my devotionals, praying, because that was like really the only time that I had peace during this. And, you know, because when you're in quarantine, it just kind of messes with your mind a little bit. It does. So were, at any point, did you think like, man, this could seriously go south? Or you were just like, okay, we need to get through this? What what were you thinking? So he came home from the hospital on a Friday. Okay. And we had gotten one of those pulse oximeters that tells you where your oxygen level is. Yes. Um, And so we just managed that. They told us if it goes below, I think, 92, that we were supposed to come back in. Mm -hmm. Bring him back in. And um, it was the next Wednesday, I noticed he kept putting it on his finger. Okay. And I said, are you okay? He was like, yeah, I'm fine, I'm fine. A little bit later, I'm like, what's the number? And he's like, I'm not telling you the number. I'm like, yes, you are. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Tell me the number. It was 85. Okay. So I said, okay, you're going to get dressed. I'll pack your bag. Mm -hmm. You know. You need oxygen. Yes. And we don't have that here at the house. So um, it was at that point that I was like, okay, they're probably going to admit him. They're going to put him on oxygen. You know, I didn't know what all that entailed at that point. And so they did. Mm-hmm. They I, they wouldn't even let me in to the emergency with him. Um, because of the COVID protocols? Because of the COVID. The okay. first time they did. Mm-hmm. It was still early enough in his diagnosis, I guess, but the second time they did not. And um, so we said our goodbyes and he had his cell phone and everything with him so we could still communicate. Okay. Um, so it was a little less than a week and he was back in the hospital again. Okay. So how are you and your daughter feeling at this time? Um, trying to hold it together. Okay. Understood. Um, And on top of all this, we were about a week and a half away from moving. Oh, wow. So we were packing and... Because this is the housing boom. So everybody's getting houses. Yeah. You're going through this. We were downsizing, actually. We were going down to an apartment. So I was sorting stuff for storage, stuff going to the apartment. and, And we were in a four-bedroom, three-bath uh, rental at this point. Okay. Um, and so it was, you know, a significant task, and I'm trying to do it quarantined, not feeling 100%, and, you know, challenged with all of this, helping him make decisions for his care. Oh, my goodness. Um, How did you deal with all that stress? 
That's a, that's <laughs> a, a lot, lot going on at one time. A lot of prayer. A uh-huh. lot of prayer. And then I had um, some amazing people that made really good food and would put it on the doorstep for me. Oh, really Really good yes. food helps. Really good food. Yeah, really good food helps. Really good food. Yeah. So I hear, I hear prayer. I hear community. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. Friends, prayer. And our family. And your family, yes. These uh, They would drop all the moving supplies off on the front porch. Oh, okay. Tape and boxes and, you know, plastic, you know, the bubble wrap stuff and, like, all the things. Oh. And then it was about another, like, half week. And then Abby and I were off of quarantine. So then okay. family came in, stopped, started helping pack and... Great family. All of that. Shout out to your family. Yes. Yeah. My yeah. family's amazing. So what was the next turn for when you thought like, oh my goodness, maybe this thing is... So when he went in the hospital, it was about the 25th of May. Um, it was around the 6th of June. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a lot of things that happened between the 25th and the 6th. Okay. Um both to him in the hospital and to us at the house. Like, Abby had to have all four tires replaced on her car. I mean, like, just random attack type. Oh, wow. Like, she hit a nail on one, and we got it fixed and hit a nail on another, and then... Oh, so not all at the same time. This is just... Yes. Wow, okay. Yes. And so it it was... And not in the place where you can repair it. It was, Mm -hmm. like, on the edge of the wall where you have to get the new tire. Um... And so there was just lots of little things. Um, the police even ended up at our house at one point because I couldn't remember the alarm code. Oh. And the our alarm got set off. Got My you. father-in-law and brother-in-law were trying to help load some stuff and take it to storage for me. Yes. Show up with a U-Haul truck in my driveway. Yes. And set off the alarm. Got you. Got <laughs> so you. So it doesn't look great. Yeah. You know, when the cops show up and there's a U-Haul truck. In the driveway. Yes, and nobody <laughs> mysteriously knows, can remember right. the alarm clock. Yeah. Right, and they I tried, tried to help you. And I tried the to tell that you, the alarm yes. guy what was going on, and he had no sympathy. He's like, you don't remember the code? I got to call the police. <laughs> <laughs> so if I had a quarter for everyone who <laughs> forgot their right. their code with the U-Haul truck in the driveway. The I'd way we rich. had the thing set up, they ended up calling Jason. Okay. And he was still at the point where he could talk to them, and he texted me, he's like, why am I getting this call? Well, it turns out he had had have surgery because they put in like a pick line or something. Yes. And he didn't tell me he was having that. Oh, Lord. And so I'm like, okay, time out. <laughs> There's bigger things going on. So it was that day. It just felt like it was attack after attack after attack after attack. Mm. And that day I just like threw down. I'm like, uh-uh, no, I'm done. You're messing with the wrong person and you can't have me. You can't have my family. We are, we're done. Yes. And I just like really just took a really long walk that day and I just told the devil he can show it where the sun don't shine and yes. he can't mess with me. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Yeah. But not now. Not, not here. Now. He's gonna have to go work somewhere else. Yeah. I get he's it. He's gonna have a fight ahead of him if he's gonna come after me. Yeah, yeah. So it was around the sixth where um, hit Jason's like oxygen levels just were not improving at all mm-hmm. on the CPAP machine and the BiPAP and all the other things that they had tried on his floor that he was on. So there was a doctor that came to him and told him that they had another gentleman in the ICU that had done 
like he had been intubated, let everything rest mm -hmm. for like two weeks, came out of it, was great, went home. Okay. So he prayed about it and he really felt like that was like his way out. He said, mm -hmm. I really feel like this is my path home. Okay, so, so this is his this is an induced coma essentially. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Let your body heal. You're not mm -hmm. around to fight it and and do all that kind of stuff. And then once we bring you out, and okay. So he said that would be worst case scenario. What they want to do first is move me to ICU, so that I have a nurse who's actually watching closely over me, mm -hmm. um, and do like the CPAP or the BiPAP machine and. Um, just have more monitored care on the floor that he was on he was being monitored but there were more people mm -hmm. and so it wasn't like a one-on-one -on -one situation or one-on-two situation mm -hmm. um, okay. so how did you feel about the induced I coma? At, at the beginning I was like he just said they want to move me to a specialized area he was being very vague because okay. he likes to do that I said they're moving you to ICU or they putting you on a ventilator. And that's when he told me the whole story. Got you. Okay. <laughs> I was okay. Like, okay. All right. You can't pull this over on me. I've watched too many medical shows. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So um, they, they put him, they, he goes into the state and it's supposed to be for what? Two weeks? Two weeks. Okay. Two weeks. And then what happens? And then they're supposed to take him off. Okay. So on the 6th, they move him to ICU. They try the things that they needed to try. On the seventh, he calls and says, this isn't working. Mm -hmm. Then they want to intubate me, and I really believe this is my way home. Mm -hmm. I said, okay. okay, I trust you. And so we had our conversation, and they had already given him the slow-acting sedation. Yes. And so he was barely able to make it through our phone call. Okay. Um, he did talk to his dad, but he was not able to talk to Abby, which is one of my biggest regrets that he wasn't able to talk to her. Okay. Um, but then they put him in the coma, they intubated him, and then the doctors were gonna keep, me in, con keep in contact with me and let me know how everything was going. Mm -hmm. At this point, he's still quarantined, Okay. So he's not allowed to have visitors. Oh, so you, okay, so you can't visit him. We could not visit. You so, just heard yes. that he's he's in this yes. uh, induced coma. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that's the seventh. The eighth is move day. Mm. Um. So my mom and my sister, my sister at the time lived in Florida, so they are on their way to Florida because my sister and brother-in-law are taking a vacation for their anniversary. Okay. Their twentieth anniversary. Yes. And so they're going out of town. My in-laws came over, my aunt came over, Abby and I were there, we're taking curtains down. My father-in-law graciously hired movers to help. Shout out to I your know. family. I know, he, he actually his words to me were, do not argue, I'm hiring movers. I said, I'm not gonna argue with that. <laughs> <laughs> this is awesome, yes. Um, and so, we start packing everything. I'm giving directions, directing traffic, and my phone rings. And it's the hospital. Okay. And they said, we are at max of everything and nothing is working. Wow. And so basically there's nothing more we can do at this point. And I said, <laughs> uh, my daughter and I are going to come see him. 
Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, and I'm like, no, no, no. You're telling me right now that you don't think he's going to make it. Mm-hmm. My daughter and I are going to come see him. Right. And so they gave us a time window that we could come. Yes. And so I went back inside, told my father-in-law, my mother-in-law what was going on, my aunt. And then we prayed. Mm-hmm. And then I went outside and made some phone calls to some people and just said, this is what they're saying. I called my mom. I called my sister. They turned around. They were about six, eight hours away mm-hmm. at this point. So they turned around and started making their way back to Tulsa. Mm-hmm. And um, then I called a good friend and I just said, I don't care who knows at this point because mm-hmm. we had just kept the circle pretty close. I said, I just need everybody praying right now. Yeah. Um, and so then we kind of opened the floodgates there. Wow. And so, I, so where were you at emotionally? Because I know... Just knowing you for a time, you're the person who kind of comforts Mm -hmm. other people and fixes things for other people Mm -hmm. and you're strong for everyone else. Mm -hmm. Were you in that mode or were you just kind of falling apart? So I I went to that mode Okay. quite easily, actually. Um, And yet at the same time, I was not. Okay. I was key, I was the keeper of all the information, so I was dispersing the information. And at the same time, when the question was asked of me, like, how are you doing? I did not know how to answer that question. I get Because it. I was like, I can't even go there right now. Right. Because this is not how this is ending. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of like that stake in the ground moment. Like, no, not today. Right. This is not happening today. Yes. Um. And so we went up to see him and we, my daughter and I ended up calling this doctor, Dr. No, because we got up there and he basically was like, he's not making it through the day. Okay. Like nothing's going to happen. Nothing's going to improve. You know, we don't see him ever recovering from this if he makes it past today. Okay. And so we ended up calling him Dr. No because I was, I just looked at him and I said, watch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> this is not, I said, I, I believe in God and this is not happening. This yes. is not how this is going to end. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if he even heard the words that came out of my mouth. I have no clue. But mm-hmm. we put on all our productive gear. He said, you have, five, you have 15 minutes. Okay. And I was like, awesome. I'll take whatever you can give me at this point. Yeah. So we go in. He left. The nurses escorted us in. They kindly just said, take whatever time you need. Okay. Um, So Abby took some time with him. I took some time with him. We prayed over him. Um, And it was like a very surreal moment. Very surreal moment. Um, I did not expect to see... What I did see, I don't know what I was expecting to see. Okay. Um, when you say you, you, you didn't expect... Just all the tubes and okay. all the... Yes, because he wasn't like that last time you saw him. No, no. So, I was dropping him off. He was yeah. you know, walking into the emergency room the last time I saw him. Yeah, probably smiling. There was some, you're, you're kind of yeah. normal. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He, he didn't look like your Jason. No. Yes. No. Um, his hair was all messed up. We actually commented that he would be really ticked off if he saw his hair at that point. (laughs) (laughs) 
Because it was all like really, they had just, they had given him a bath, so they had like washed his hair and stuff. And oh, okay. Abby was just like, Mom, look at his hair. <laughs> Thank like, God yeah, there's not a I mirror in, in the spirit realm, boy. He would I not would, be happy. Yes. He would not. He yeah. would not. And so we took, it was a, probably about 45 minutes we were there. And I finally told Abby, I said, I really feel like we need to go because I want to honor. You know, the time, even though we took longer than 15 minutes that the doctor said, I, ju I didn't want to push it because mm -hmm. I wanted to be let back in yes. at some point if we needed to be. Um, and so then we went back and um, met up with my in-laws had just kind of taken over the move with the movers. Okay. Turns out the movers were believers and they heard what happened and they ended up praying with my in-laws. My goodness. Um, as well. And so like just the whole day... There was like a piece. Mm -hmm. um, oh, every day, really, there was like just this unexplainable piece. Like mm -hmm. I should not have been able to be as calm, cool, and collected as I was. Yeah, peace that passes all understanding. Uh -huh. It doesn't make sense. It does not make sense. Yes. So. Uh, okay. So you 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 left the and is that the eighth day? The eighth. The eighth day. Okay. And then what's the next turn? So the two weeks comes. Yes. And goes. They took him off the sedation and he didn't wake up. Mm. He didn't become alert. Okay. He was still on the machines. He was still, his heart was still beating. His mm -hmm. brain was still functioning. All of the things. Um, but he did not regain consciousness. I okay. Guess that's the better way of saying it. Understood. Um, and so... We went through several different milestones. He had a couple of surgeries in there for some sepsis and some blockage. He was on dialysis for his kidneys. Wow. Um, a lot of things. Mm -hmm. Making lots of decisions. Um, and then it was around July. The very first part, end of June, beginning of July... His dad and I started having conversations about, you know, where is this going? Mm -hmm. What what are you seeing? What am I seeing? I think they were concerned, and my brother and I just talked, brother-in-law and I just mm -hmm. talked about this this weekend. They were concerned that I didn't really understand what was going on. Okay. Because I was so calm. Okay. Um, I'd send out family texts like, this is what the doctors are saying. This is what we're believing. This is what the doctor's saying. This is what we're believing. Okay. So I think they thought I didn't really fully understand the gravity of what was going on. Okay. Um, my brother-in-law was here for uh, several weeks, and he worked from up here for a while. Mm -hmm. And so on the 3rd of July, we went to McAllister's. He's like, I, I just need to have dinner with you and talk to you. And I'm like, okay. So we, we jokingly, with his wife's permission, yes. say that we went on a date. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah, I get it. <laughs> but um, we talked, and like at the end of dinner, he was like, you are way more aware of what's going on than we thought you were. Okay. And I was like, I'm sitting right by him every single day. Of course I'm aware of what's going on. Gotcha. I'm acutely aware of what's yeah. going on. So it, from their perspective, they were thinking like, okay, does she... Get right. that, yeah, 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 yeah. Because we could tell by this point, by the third, 
we really wanted to have a conversation with all the doctors because mm-hmm. he had a cardiologist, a pulmonologist, a nephrologist, a gastrointestinal doctor. Mm-hmm. Like he had the hospitalist, his nurse. We loved his nurse. His nurse was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had all these doctors, but it seemed like none of them were talking to each other. Okay. And if you've ever been in a major mm-hmm. health crisis, that happens yes. quite easily and frequently. And so we really felt like we wanted to get all of them together and have a conversation. Like, mm-hmm. what are we really looking at at this point? Yes. That happened on July 5th. Okay. July. So now, so we're talking about July 5th. So when did this, this all start at when? This all started, the original date that he was diagnosed was May 19th. So from May 19th to July 5th. Oh my goodness. So is there, because we're talking about grief, is there any grieving yet? Like within this, just of the loss of time or relationship, or are you just in the zone of, we're, we're going to get to the finish line, you know, let's, we'll, you know, yeah. we can, we can cry later. Right. Let's get this deal done. Let's get them out of here. So in the beginning, I think it was like that. Like we're, I'm in the zone. Mm-hmm. We're fighting this. We're good. Um, after the two weeks kind of came and went. Mm-hmm. And I started to have to make decisions about blood transfusions and surgeries and uh, EKGs and EEGs and all the things. Um, I think I started because I had watched everything my dad went through. Mm-hmm. And I have this like realist perspective. Okay. Um, like I can see it and I get it, but yet at the same time, I still had faith. Understood. Like it's a a weird tightrope balance walk where you're looking at reality in the face and at the same time, but I know what my God can do. Mm -hmm. Um, That'll preach. (laughs) So on the 5th, we actually had the conversation with the doctors. Okay. And they basically said, we fix this and then this breaks and then we fix this and then we have to do this and basically we're just plugging holes mm-hmm. and we're not making any forward progress okay and so they gave us some options there were two places that he could go on a ventilator and do like just long-term care okay vegetable care okay actually like in his state where he was one was in ohio Whoa. And one was in Arkansas. Okay. And we're in Oklahoma and they're talking about right. move him to Ohio, right. move him to Arkansas with really right. not a lot of hope of, of reviving just, right. just to accommodate yes. his current state. Um, so his, his parents moved away from Arkansas mm-hmm. when they got married, when they okay. were young. And so his dad said, I'm not sending my son to Arkansas. Okay. And I said, well, I, I can't move to Ohio, mm-hmm. so what are our options? And basically, it came down to palliative care. Um, well, okay, so explain. Palliative care is basically stepping down, like pulling one thing away at a time. So okay. removing the dialysis, removing these medications like his blood pressures and his other things that mm-hmm. are keeping his blood pressure up or down, whatever it was at the time. Um, and then eventually turning off the ventilator Mm -hmm. and seeing if he can still maintain life that way. Right. Um, Which 
that leads into hospice. And so then they sent in a hospice uh, palliative care person and talked to us. And so essentially we're talking end of life transition at this point. Mm -hmm. So we had a plan. We would, this was Monday, knowing that my mom was back in Colorado, my sister's in Florida, Jason's brother's wife lived in Texas at the time to be able to let all the family get in, say their goodbyes and do everything. We were going to start this on Thursday. Yes. The transition on Thursday, the 8th. And um, so the 6th, we started making phone calls on the 5th. People started making plans. Mm -hmm. The 6th, um, I made a lot of like second tier and third tier phone calls. I had a conversation with my boss and Mm -hmm. my good friend here at the school that I work at. And um, I just told Abby, I said, this is our day. Mm-hmm. Because after this, all the family is going to be in and, yes. and you know, it won't be easy to have time alone with him. I said, so today's our day to, you know, meet with him, talk with him, pray, whatever you want to do for your final moments. And so I gave her the morning while I took care of a lot of the phone calls and the business side of everything. I had to let his work know mm-hmm. what was going on. And um, then I took the afternoon and evening. Um, His nurse, again, like she, I I 100% believe that she was there because of us. Wow, yes. Um, She was not supposed to be on at this point because Mm -hmm. she had been on the week before. Okay. And because it was over a holiday and they were short staffed, Mm -hmm. she told me, she goes, they made me an offer I couldn't refuse. Mm -hmm. And I said, I will agree to this if. You have this night nurse with me, and I'm in these rooms. And so she was with Jason at yes. that point. Um, but she was really great with Abby. She talked to her, but her mm. kids were Abby's age. And she's like, I'm just treating her like I would want my kids to be treated. And that uh, wasn't the case with all of the nurses. That I we understand. Had. We had some great ones. Yes. But she was just a step above. And yeah. so... Um, we had good time with him on the 6th and i just kind of had my last conversation with him on the 6th and i just told him i'm like look if you want to fight we're going to fight mm-hmm. but if you're ready to go home we're fine what was so did you have um going back to your dad did you ever get to have that conversation with your dad yes okay yep. oh so you knew what this conversation means yeah, yeah. Understood. I was giving him permission to yeah. peace out. Yeah. Because I knew he was fighting to stay there For as you well. all, yeah. And so before I even left, his oxygen level started changing. Okay. And when I left for the night, I knew, I was like, I'm going to get a call in the middle of the night, and it's going to be okay. His nurse and I had a conversation, and she asked me, she said, are you okay if he passes away and you're not here? Mm-hmm. And I said, this is why Abby and I came today. Okay. Is so that we would, we have all had our last moments with him. Yes. And if it happens when we're not here, it's okay. Okay. It's okay. He did not pass away while we weren't there. Okay. <laughs> I did not get a call in the middle of the night. It was about five o'clock in the morning. So was um, that a weird, like, so did you, did you have peace after you or was it like yeah. looking at your phone every five minutes? No. I actually, so... While he was in the hospital and the ICU, mm-hmm. 
this nurse that we had at the end, we had her towards the beginning as well. And she just said, do not sleep here. Okay. She said, he's going to need you. Yes. You know, in the early days, it was just for two weeks. Mm -hmm. She's like, he's going to need you to be well rested and healthy. Mm -hmm. And so I can't tell you how many times we have patients with family members and the family members end up getting sick because they just stay by the bed the whole time. Okay. And they never sleep. They never rest. They never take care of themselves. They don't eat properly. They don't. You know, all the things. Yeah. And so so that's, like, that's good wisdom okay. for somebody. Like yeah. if you're going through, the best thing you could do is take care of yourself. Yes. Like so have that a rotation you can, of people. If you yes. feel like you need to be up there, have a rotation of people that can be up there mm -hmm. that you trust. And um, I had a great like phone phone relationship with the night nurses and everything. And I'd call and they'd mm -hmm. give me all his stats tell me everything that was going on that night. And especially because he was in quarantine for the first part, I couldn't go up. Right. So I had to trust that they were doing their best to care for him. Okay. And they did. Um, so I got a call the morning of the 7th and they just, the night nurse, she's a precious, precious lady. She just said, he's not doing good. He hasn't done good all night. And I, I'm just really concerned. I'm like, it's okay. Mm -hmm. We've already had our time with him. I'm going to call his parents and his brother and we'll be up there. She's like, I just, I just, and about then his nurse, day nurse yes, says, I'm here. I'm here. I'm early. She was there almost an hour early for her shift. Wow. And so she was there to, and maybe that's normal. I don't know, mm -hmm. but, um, she was there with the night nurse and I just said, we're on our way. We're not rushing. Mm -hmm. I'm going to let his parents and his brother and my sister-in-law had not been up there yet. She okay. got in the night before. And so I said, I'm going to let them have their time and then we'll be up there. And they're like, okay. So we got up there, beautiful sunrise that morning. Mm -hmm. Just stunning. Absolutely stunning. And we get up there and my mom and my sister were not there yet. They were going to arrive that day so that they could have Wednesday night uh -huh. with him. So I ended up letting them talk to him on the phone. We had some worship music playing and it was just very peaceful. Wow. And we turned everything off because that's what he was saying he was ready for. And, mm -hmm. and he passed away about nine o'clock that morning. Hmm. How did, uh, so what were you feeling in that moment? Um, there was sadness, but at the same time he had his body had been through so much, mm -hmm. so much. And knowing that had he made a recovery, his life would not have been the same. Mm -hmm. um, just because of the physical toll it would have had on him. He would not have been able to do what he did for a living. And he was, you know, a designer. He mm -hmm. worked on a computer yeah. and there were just some things that he was going to have to overcome had it not been like a miraculous healing. Mm -hmm. um, so it was, you know, I don't want to say a relief, but at the same time, he chose wisely. Mm -hmm. He made the best choice because he's whole and he's healed and he's not in pain and he's in heaven. Amen. Amen. Okay. So, so you, you all make a decision. It's peaceful. There's worship music, the family's there. Mm -hmm. 
when when do you f feel like you start grieving? Hmm. I I think I started pre-grieving. Okay. Like once we got to a certain point and I could see that there wasn't a change. Mm -hmm. Like he wasn't waking up even though he should have woken up. Mm -hmm. Um and then even my daughter saying, um, he did open his eyes at one point before a surgery. We were talking to him. He opened his eyes for Abby. Most of his wow. like hand squeezing and eye opening was for her, not for me. Um, uh, <laughs> wow, like that's... Yeah. So he, that's his baby girl. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh -huh. yeah. He was showing off. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, he always did. Um, I forget where I was going with that. But okay. But you were, you were talking about pre-grieving. Yeah. Yeah. So how, how did you, because did you say you, you didn't, if I remember in a previous conversation, you said you didn't, either you didn't know how to grieve or you didn't feel like you, you grieved the loss of your dad the way yes. that you, you should have or you could That's have. Right. Yeah. So how did you know, like, okay, what the healthy way to grieve this is? So with my dad, I had um, a well-meaning person who loved me very much. Yes. Tell me, you're the oldest, so you need to take care of your family. Okay. So in my, in my mind is, well, I've got to do this right. I don't, I need to set this aside, push it down. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm not going to be grieving right now. And right. so I, um, I did. But in doing that, I never came back to it. Okay. Until it started, like, leaking out in, like, really ugly ways, like short temper, mm -hmm. all sorts of things. Yes. Um, it's not pretty. It's different for everyone, but it's definitely not pretty. And so with this, I knew that because of the timeline, it was about seven weeks from start to finish. Mm -hmm. um, the things that we saw in that room, mm -hmm. like just the, all the accessories that go in the ICU. Mm -hmm. it's what how he looked, um, how he looked after surgeries, things like that. It was traumatic. Mm -hmm. And so from the very beginning, I told my daughter, I'm like, we will go to counseling okay and we will do this the right way okay. because i did not do that with my dad and back then counseling was like not as widely accepted as it is now yeah especially um, in christendom yes yeah because i know yeah. me growing up it was like you don't you don't go to the doctor unless you're almost you know what i mean right. like you can't stand up and you certainly don't go to counseling unless you're in a straitjacket like right. it's not it's right. for people who, you know, but to have the wisdom to say, okay, mm -hmm. there's a healthy way to do this. Right. I need to have someone walk me through this. Yeah. And yeah, I yeah, would for say if you are a believer, you need to find a reputable Christian counselor. Mm -hmm. um, we, our church is the one that sent us to this um, place and they've been phenomenal and she's like a neutral party. Mm -hmm. That's what I love. And so she asks me these questions constantly because I still go. Yes, 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 yes. And 
throughout the whole session and even at the end she's just covering it and bringing it back to the word of god and like in the early days she's like are you asking why Mm -hmm. and i'm like well yes and she goes it's okay to ask why Mm -hmm. and i'm like what are you talking about and she's like listen in the bible it actually talks about jesus in the garden of gethsemane and he's Mm -hmm. like Lord, like, can't this, why does it have to be me? Can it be someone else? Can yes. you take this cup from me? Yes. So even he asked why. Yes. And I was like, oh, no one had ever said that to me before, ever. Yes. I, you know, and I've been in church since I was five. So I think this is free. Like, just this will free up so many people mm-hmm. because there are, there are, are people that somebody's listening and I know they feel like, okay, I have to be strong or just pray. God will heal it. Don't worry about it. Glory to God. And they're, you know, they're, they feel like I just have to hold on to the struggle or this is, Mm -hmm. this is my burden or my cross to bear. But, um, I believe it's in James where it says confess your, well, it talks about confess your sins, but I, I think it's the same principle. Talk to people who are gifted in areas Mm -hmm. to help you because we're not meant to live alone. 100%. Yeah. 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 So if someone's going through a grieving process or if they never grieved Mm -hmm. something properly, what what would you tell them? I would say the first thing, especially if they've never grieved properly, Mm -hmm. definitely seek counseling. Mm -hmm. Um, Even if it's just a pastor at your church. Mm -hmm. Someone that you can trust that can point you to scriptures or whatever it is you're needing because if you haven't grieved it properly um, what i found was i had forgotten that i had not grieved it properly okay and then i went through the real jesus curriculum Mm -hmm. and i was like oh okay i need to i need to take care of that and this is like 10 years later yes and so i was like oh yikes i I'm really sorry. Like that, that's not good. So is that what, so you, so did you know you hadn't grieved it properly before, before you went through that real Jesus small group? I would say in the beginning, I realized that I was not grieving it properly, Mm -hmm. but no one, I have, I have some amazing close friends that I knew even back when my dad passed away before I came to work Uh here. And they did not know what to do. Okay. I was kind of, there had been other people that I was friends with that had lost a parent mm-hmm. or lost someone significant, but they didn't know, like, I'm really good at hiding how I really feel. Okay. Okay. Like, I could be smiling mm-hmm. and you might think I'm happy and having the best day ever, mm-hmm. but inside I'm like empty. Yeah. Hollow. Mm-hmm. And it life sucks. Yeah. Which is a very good Christian thing to do, right? Yes. Put on a happy face. Right. We're not going to talk about, we're not going to confess all the bad things. Because right. that's. That's not standing in faith. That's talking about negative things. That's yeah. not standing in faith. I but, don't trust God if I'm having hard times. Yes. That's That's the way it feels. Yeah. Well, and what I've learned through walking through this with Jason is there is. And, and really, our pastors at the time mm-hmm. that he was in the hospital, they were talking about the Psalms of Lament. Oh, that's right. We were going through that series. Yes. Yeah. yes. 
and it was so impactful. And I just remember all throughout my journal, because that's when I started journaling when he mm-hmm. was in the hospital, all throughout my journal was like those prayers, like, God, you're good. I know you can heal him, but mm-hmm. where are you? Yes. Over and over and over again. Um, and even still, it's like, I know he can heal. Yes. I didn't see it, mm-hmm. but he's healed. Yes. Just wow. not where I could see it and experience it and get the benefit out of it. That is amazing. You went, so you went through this journey where you were believing in faith, like, okay, something's good's going to happen. Something good's mm-hmm. going to happen that I want to happen. Right. And then it doesn't happen the way you want it. Mm-hmm. And because of the way you went through it, because you walked with God, you walked with friends, you uh, brought in Christian counselors, because of how you went through it, you, you, you're here now saying, okay, God, you're still good. Mm-hmm. You're still a healer. Mm-hmm. And I still trust you. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Yeah. I mean, that's a pretty cool story. Yeah. Okay. So now your journal, you mentioned your journal. Mm-hmm. You have a blog. I do. You have a blog that helps people through grieving, that helps people with grieving by talking about your own journey of grief, the good, the bad, the good days and the bad days. Mm -hmm. What made you say, okay, this needs to be more than a journal. I need to get this out to somebody. (laughs) Oh, so I should preface by saying I have always bought journals, but never actually wrote in them. Okay. I'm like, oh, this is a cute little notebook. I'm totally going to journal. So you're collecting them. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Collecting yes, yes. these journals and never actually wrote in them. And then I had a dear, dear friend um, while Jason was in the hospital in the early days. She mm-hmm. just said, write everything down. Wow. Write everything down. Everything you're going through at the house, everything he's going through, all the stats they give you, everything. Because that's, you don't see the changes in the moment, but over time you'll see the improvements or, oh, we had a bad day this day or whatever. Mm-hmm. So would you recommend that for someone who's going through a difficult situation? hundred percent. To write, write everything down, the good and the bad? I would say whatever you can get onto paper, mm-hmm. get onto paper. Wow. Um, so how did that help? So in, in the moment I was like, okay, I need to think of this like, because he's in ICU and he's intubated and we can't communicate, mm-hmm. there's going to be missing days when he wakes up. Okay. So I'm going to fill in everything oh. we did mm-hmm. so that, you know, we moved and all of this stuff, like he never saw our apartment. Yes. You know, and so I'm like, he's going to come home to this like new place that he's never been in. So I need to like tell him all about all the things that he missed. And so I was like very detailed. Yeah. Filling in gaps. Yes. Okay. And then I did all the medical stuff as well. Um, And then at some point, I just kept journaling, even after he passed away. I am not an outwardly emotional person. Okay. I don't really cry in public. I don't Mm -hmm. like making a big show of emotions and things like that. Mm -hmm. I prefer to have my meltdowns and breakdowns in the car or in my home. I get it. (laughs) (laughs) I've been working on it. I've been working on it. That actually sounds like a good rule. Like, I don't don't know that that's bad. (laughs) My counselor says I need to be okay with crying, you know, even in front of people because that's showing vulnerability. I get it. I get it. Yes. I'm like, okay. Yeah. I'll work on it. But... 
um, it was a way for me to just pour out all the emotion that I was holding inside mm-hmm. in a very safe space mm-hmm. where it was okay if I cried. It was okay if I said whatever I wanted to say on those pages because it was just between me and that paper and God. Mm. He already knew what I was going to say anyway. Yes. But it was very helpful to say it. Yeah. And to get it out. And so he passed away in July. Around August, school starting, going back to work. Yes. Doing all these things. And I really felt like the Lord's like, hey, you know, all those little things you've been writing, I want you to share them. I want you to do this. And I was like, uh, no, sir, I will not. I'm a private person, God. I'm like, um, no. Yes. I am grieving. I'm learning how to be a widow, which I, you know, that label is not awesome. Um, and I'm trying to make sure my daughter is navigating losing the loss of her father. I, I have no time to do this. I don't yes. have time to do this. He's such a gentleman. He just waits patiently (laughs) and so in late October I was really struggling with sleep okay and I talked with my boss about trying to work from home one day a week just so I could have a more relaxed pace Mm -hmm. and instead um, he made a move my boss made a move that um, would ultimately um in some words, like I would say saved my life. Okay. Um, he sent me home for like a month's sabbatical. Okay. Um, to this extroverted person who really relied heavily on her people. Yes. I kind of felt like I was getting voted off the island. Okay. But there was that deep core part of me that knew I needed to figure out how to sleep, how to maintain a balance of work and life and being a single mom, even yes. though my child isn't young. She was 19. Right, the time. right. She's still your child. She's still my child. Yes. Um, and so it was while I was at home mm-hmm. on sabbatical without all these other excuses that I gave him. Yes. That he once again said, it's time to write. Mm. And I was like, oh, so, so question for the person out there listening and they're like, okay, I don't have, I have too much stuff. Mm-hmm. Like I don't have time to pull away mm-hmm. to deal with this. Yeah. What would you say to that person? Um, Cause that's probably how you felt, right? I, yeah, most definitely. And I was going to counseling all that time. Yeah. Yes. Um, I would definitely say you should make the time or it's, you know, there's going to be some health implications. Like I, I was going to counseling and doing quote unquote, all the right things, mm-hmm. but still struggling to sleep. I get it. And so I was, there was somewhere, there was some things that I wasn't dealing with. I get it. And so it took me stepping away, working on my sleep. I upped my counseling during that time. Um, met with some of our staff pastors at, or one of our staff pastors at our church mm-hmm. and just taking that step back really helped me refocus. And then also continuing to be in the word, do my devotion time and mm-hmm. journal during that time as well. 
wow. really helped. Okay, so you, so you say, at some point you say, yes, Lord. Yes. <laughs> I, still, I did. I still get a reluctance. <laughs> well, yes. and, and really, though, growing up, no one ever told me I was a good writer. Okay. Like, no one. Like, I didn't take AP classes. I didn't take advanced English or any of that. Right. Because it was like, yeah, you're okay. I took history and Spanish and Latin and yes. those types of classes. This is funny. You sound like Moses now. Well, God, if you knew right. about me what right. I knew about me, you wouldn't ask me to do this. Like, I, got, I don't speak good. Yeah, yeah. Let me tell you about me. And once you, I, you hear what I have to say about me, right. then you'll know I'm not right. the one. But yes. I will say, I knew enough yes. to know that I didn't want to be like Jonah. Amen. Because I did not want that fish showing up in my apartment. <laughs> Knock it on the up. door. <laughs> Don't want to get spit out. God sent me. Yeah. Because I had I had already done that once before with my um, master's program. He had asked me to do something, and I was like, no, I'm good. And then, like, literally every message, every devotional, everything was about Jonah. Jonah, like, do what I'm asking uh-huh. you to do. So. Okay, I think you're kind of walking down my aisle right now. I think he's asking me to do it. Okay, this is good. Okay, so you, you start the blog. I start the blog. What did it feel like to put out the first one? Nerve-wracking. No, isn't that weird? Like, no one knows that the blog exists. Right. But right. it still feels like when you hit that button, it's going to show up on the news. Yes. And the world will be informed <laughs> and read it and judge it, right? Right, right. And yeah, I'm yeah. like, I don't... I, I truly, I know I heard him say, do this. Yes. I don't know why. He mm-hmm. didn't tell me why. Yes. And maybe I'll never know the real why. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But I, I did it. And I'm like, okay. And then slowly and surely, at first it was just my mom. And it was my mom <laughs> and my sister, my family. And they're like, oh my gosh, this is so good. And I'm like, you're just saying that because you're related to me and you have to say it because you want a birthday present. You know. Yes, yes, yes. That's funny. All those types of things. And then I have, you know, I have more people that are reading it now. And friends I love this. and people. and Yeah, and it's real. Like, it's authentic. It's like... Yes. It's like many movies. Like some of them were hard for me to read. I think that's how we got into the conversation yeah. of grief. And I was like, Sam, I am not great with grief. Right. I need you to, to explain this to me. Okay, mm-hmm. so you have the blog and you started at one. You're at how many blog posts? Oh, golly. Do you know or no? I Actually, I do not know. Okay, but you just keep going. I you, just keep going. You just keep now going. Now, the cadence has slowed down. Yes. I had been at like one a week and yeah. now I'm... Probably averaging one a month at this point. Okay, okay. So you you do this. So, but you don't stop there, because the Lord's working in you and through you. Someone asked you to be a, a co-author mm-hmm. on uh, your first your first book, right? Yes. And this book is called what? It's a, it has a really long title, but okay. it is... I'm going to have the link in the show notes. Okay. So for everyone that's interested, I'm going to have the links to all these things in the show notes. Yes. So it's actually an anthology. Yes. So there's about 15 authors in yes. the book. And so we have each of us submitted an essay and we had to uh, meet multiple milestones along the way. Yes. Um, the original piece that I submitted is not what's in the book. Okay. Um, I wrote the original piece. They gave feedback. I changed my feedback to match exact, or I changed my piece to match their feedback. Mm-hmm. 
and um, we got about a week away from like the absolute deadline to publish. Yes. And I had been like dragging my feet on giving my final, yes, I'm okay with this. And one of the um, founders, the uh, book is published under the Unknown Authors Club. Mm-hmm. And they, um, they put this work together, but they also do publishing mm-hmm. as well. And one of them like messaged me, they're like, okay. And I'm like, listen, I don't think what I wrote is good enough to be in the book. Mm. Okay. And they're like, uh, yeah, it is. I'm like, no, you go read it again and you tell me if it really is. <laughs> and so they came back and they're like, well, because they've read some yes. of my blog and, yes. and all of that. They're like, it doesn't really sound like you. And I said, I know, because I changed what I wrote to match your feedback. Interesting. Okay. I took me out of it. Okay. And they're like, okay, so do you want to rewrite it? I was like, yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, if this is going to be published, yes, yes, and so it took me a couple of days of staring at a blank Google Doc, um, but then I was just like, "All right, Lord, I, I want it to." And I say this like even when I sit down to write for the blog, I'm always like, "Lord, what do you want to say?" Mm-hmm. Because you asked me to do this, mm. and our deal from the beginning was, "It's not going to be me." Yes. I'm not, I'm not the author here. I'm just the willing and obedient vessel. What do you want to say? And so then I wrote and submitted it, and that's what made the final cut. This is good preaching. Okay. So I, I see this theme of not my will, but your will. Yes. Everything is in your hands. Mm-hmm. I trust you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. This 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 continual theme of partnership with with you and the Lord. Okay. So you you submitted the book is published and what happens with the book? How is it doing right now? Let me ask that. It's doing great. It actually won a silver award for something amazing. Something amazing. We actually yeah. went number one on Amazon bestseller wow. on the day that we released. Cause you know, new things are released every day. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. um, that's you know, awesome. It's just this cute little project that three ladies had a great vision for. Yeah. So. Yeah. So your first co-authorship i don't even know if that's a word you get a silver award i, I wish i feel like it deserves one of those air horns you know <laughs> <laughs> right yeah, yeah okay so you you go from there so you have a blog post you your co-author that has a silver award mm-hmm. you're working on a podcast i am yes that you're that you're getting ready to release soon soon in Jesus coming name coming in 2023 coming in 2023 <laughs> in Jesus name i got to hear um, i got to hear a little bit of what they've already recorded it sounds so good yeah and and you and Tanya and together it's not about grief it's not about grief it's not it's yes. about community and the importance um, especially for women mm-hmm. um, to have or if you don't have any, how to build community. Yes. Okay. So, you, so you have uh, this coming up. You've also started a small group at our church, mm-hmm. 
and we, we have a pre, uh, pretty, pretty, pretty sizable uh, membership. And you have a, started a small group, and it's and you brought somebody on, so it's a, a man that that deals with the men, and then uh, you deal with the and with we the have women. actually two myself and another lady or yourself and a gentleman, and it's um, actually a national program. It's yes. called Grief Share. Okay. Um, we did not previously have that group here, mm-hmm. and so the three of us decided that for our members and even people outside of our church, because we're on the group finder, mm-hmm. um, it's something that's necessary. Like during this time, there's so much loss going on. Yes, ma'am. Um, whether it's a friend, a family member or whatever, um, that there's, there's a place in church to talk about grief in a healthy way. It is. And that's what you helped me with. Um, just realizing through your story, through your testimony, just me talking with you, having multiple conversations, seeing how um, your pain um, became part of a new purpose Mm -hmm. into a passion that pushed people into, I want to think of another P because I like alliterations, (laughs) but it's it's been a really beautiful journey that as a friend, I'm I'm excited that I was get to, got to see you go on this journey, and um, man, you're just really helping people. For me, what uh, what you did, Sam, was normalize grief, mm-hmm. like it's uh, it's not. You know, so one some of the conversations you talked about is someone who's going through grief. Like, mm-hmm. what's how should you? What do they need? How should you interact with them? What's helpful for them? And can you tell them some of the things that, that you told me? I know sure. you don't remember exactly, but you know. Sure. So I would say um, there are layers mm-hmm. to that. So if you think about a target, yes, um, you probably have the people that are closest to you at that center target. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's your family. Maybe it's a good friend. They're going to be with you thick and thin. Mm-hmm. Like, you know. They're not going to run away just because somebody passes away. If they do, they shouldn't probably be in the center of your target. Okay. Um, and then the next layer out, they're still close friends, but maybe they don't, you don't share everything with them mm-hmm. and, and so forth and so on. So I would say if you are in the, the mid-center area, um, the best thing you can do for someone who is grieving is to sit and talk with them. Mm-hmm have a normal conversation with them. Mm -hmm. Let them talk about whatever they want to talk about. Mm -hmm. I have a couple of friends that there's probably a lot of times they're like, I don't know what's coming out of her mouth next. Like, I don't know what she's going to say. But they still have a conversation with me. Yes. Um, The biggest thing that you don't want to do is ignore them or don't talk to them. That's good. Yes. I will. I, th- I think I said this to you. Mm-hmm. Um, there is nothing that you can say that's going to make them all of a sudden remember that they lost someone. Yes, because one of the things I, I was telling you is it, it feels um, weird. I don't want to say the wrong thing. Right. 
Yeah. And I, or I don't want to say something that's going to trigger a memory. And then, you know, they're crying hysterically (laughs) and I'm like, oh my goodness, what have I done? I've broke them. You know what I mean? Right. And, uh, but yeah, you said, no, you can ask them, Hey, what was that like? What were memories like of, of, of you and and your husband or what was, what was a fun time? Like these are, these are okay conversations. And you were even saying they're comforting because you're, you know, yeah. Yeah. So, um, and my daughter and I actually just had this conversation the other day um, that people don't know how to talk about grief, mm-hmm. especially in the church, because yet again, it's like one of those topics like, oh, but we had faith for this or faith for that. It doesn't diminish your faith in any way That's good. to grief. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, I found that it has strengthened my faith because mm. I've realized that there is nothing that I can do without his help. Yes. And I mean, that's like a, you, as a Christian growing up, I'm like, I should have already known that, Mm -hmm. you know, but you learn it at a different level Mm -hmm. and a different like way, different layer, but ask them about their person, say their person's name because that helps them know that their person was important yes and it helps them realize that they can honor that person's life mm-hmm. and carry on their legacy by talking about them that's so good if so if someone's listening right now and they're like okay i don't i think i think that i'm grieving or I should be grieving and i don't know if i'm going through it in a healthy way what would be a good first step for them i would say um talk to a friend or a pastor, mm-hmm. if you have a, a pastor at the church you're at. Um, there are grief share groups across the nation mm-hmm. in churches. That's also a great place to start. Mm-hmm. There's a great curriculum that goes along with that. Okay. There's videos. Every group has a live facilitator mm-hmm. that can help. They're not counselors, so they can't give you like suggestions for things but it is a community group where other people are walking through their own grief journey and it's a safe space where everybody's talking about being sad and grieving yes um but not in a oh woe is me type of a situation you're really just this is what happened this is who i lost and this is who i am and this is who i'm trying to figure out Mm -hmm. where do i go from here yeah um, so I imagine this has kind of a normalizing effect because you realize like, okay, I'm having good days and bad days and I feel like I'm, I'm not in control of my emotions sometimes or my thoughts. And then when you get around other people and they're like, yeah, us too. You're right. like, oh, okay. Yeah. It's not just me. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, there's, and they even, we just had our first week last week mm-hmm. in our group and watching the video again, I was like, oh yeah. Like I just... It took me back to those early days and it literally, like the best way I could explain it to my good friends was I, and I even wrote a blog post about it, like the jello mold. Mm-hmm. Like if you um, ever saw Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs yes. and the guy falls down into that like <laughs> jello yes. and he's like trying to move and swim and he can't really, that, but everything else is going on around him. Yes. That's what it felt like in the early days. It's like, ah. I feel like I'm moving in slow motion and really not it's just your brain you have all those other tabs open you're not aware of and it's grieving whether mm. you realize it or not that's good your body is grieving that's good 
That's good. So if they're, so if someone's in, so nationally, uh, we're gonna have the show notes. There's a, a grief share program nationally that they can find and, and the link will be in the show notes. If someone's in the Tulsa area, uh, any suggestions? Um, we have our grief share group every okay. Wednesday night. Okay. Um, you can sign up at any time, even though we've already started. It's cyclical, so okay. you can sign up at any time um, and get plugged into a church. Yes. Amen. Okay, so to end this, can you pray for people that that may be grieving or that have maybe friends that are grieving? Sure. Okay. I know I just threw this on you. <laughs> you did. I'm like, oh, I didn't know I was praying. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, thank you, Sam. All right. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for today, and I thank you for this opportunity to share my story and my journey, Lord, that you've led me on. And I just thank you that as people are listening to this, if they have a journey they're on, that they feel you walking with them, Lord God, that as they seek you, that you are there, your peace, that peace that is unexplainable, Lord, is just blanketing them, and the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, is with them as well. I thank you that you place key people along their path to help them with their next steps, and that it is an easy process. It's not something that's overwhelmed in any way. And I just thank you that you're ordering the steps of everyone who is listening. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much, Sam, for being with us. Thank you.